Sports Day is brought to you by Nutrien Ag Solutions. Welcome to them going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrien.com.au. A proud new partner of Sports Day as well, Bryce. And when a new sponsor comes on board, a new partner comes on board, we do star jumps because it's great to have them with us. It is indeed. So thank you to Nutrien. And thank you to the next guest as well. He's a former professional golfer from Sydney who you may recognise as the main on-course voice from the Australian Open across the weekend. I certainly loved watching the last three or four hours of yesterday's play. His name is Ewan Porter, and he joins us now. Ewan, welcome to Sports Day. Gents, thanks very much for having me. What a great role you had across the weekend. There's so many places we can take it, but can you just paint a picture for us on what it was like to be there on the second playoff hole next to the green um, as the uh, as the winner was finalised late yesterday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, look, to say the atmosphere was incredible would be a bit of a gross understatement. It's uh, unlike I've anything I've seen really since the, the halcyon days of Greg Norman in his prime when I first started playing golf. I got to see Tiger Woods play in 1996 at the Australian. It was his first ever event as a professional outside America. And, you know, he, he was sort of in the middle of Tiger mania then. It, it was phenomenal, really. And, I mean, of course, the crowd and pretty much everyone watching here in Australia would have loved to have seen Minwoo or, or an Aussie capture the championship but um it was great to see Waikin Neiman become the first South American win the tournament and uh, really I mean the last hour or two of the of the championship itself certainly in the men's side of things any one of about 10 different players could have won um and it was uh it was certainly entertaining to watch and you know I pretty much had the best seat in the house um watching that final group it was uh, it was outstanding to watch it was electrifying that that finale but where, I guess my my question is around the broader growth of the game at the moment. It seems to be on a real wave now, Australian golf, both with mm. the female and the male side of things. What's generated that? Well, I mean, I think participation levels have been up really the last few years and uh, COVID sort of expedited that because it was about the only sports you could play during that period. But there's, I, I think when you see people like Cam Smith and Minwoo Lee there, they're younger, cooler, hip, more hip, um, you know, and, and more relatable to the younger generation than what I think when I was coming through the ranks here, yeah, Greg Norman was the um, was our idol. But even then, he was late 30s, 40s. Um, golf just itself, the clothing, it, it, nothing was as cool as what it is now. Golf wasn't as accessible and it, it's becoming more normalized like like other sports. I think when I was a when I was a kid at school. I was a geek because I, I was a nerd because I played golf and that's not really the case anymore. You're cool if you play golf and uh, it, it's, you know, I run a junior golf tour here in Australia and, and New Zealand as well. And um, I'm seeing it with, uh, you know, the increase in, in female participation, like you mentioned. And uh, I, I work closely with um, Adidas and some other sponsors uh, around junior golf. And um, it's, you know, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses, they want to get involved um, in golf now and particularly uh, the, the female side of things. It's just, it's awesome to see. It's wonderful to see. I mean, I've done some work recently on the LPGA tour up in Asia. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there with the women, but certainly with the men as well. Um, it's, it's just a, in a wonderful spot right now, golf. And I think in addition to all of that, I think the average age of people watching and playing golf has dropped something like seven to 10 years uh, mm. over the last two or three years, which, um, you know, it's no longer a sport for older people. It's for everyone. 
that's amazing. And, and it's really good numbers and really good stats. And you can see it, I think, in COVID. It was one of the only sports that certainly in, Mel- in Melbourne we could play for most of the time. I know there were some times when we couldn't play any golf at all. but it, it, it inc- the toilet. Yeah, it, it increased in, in popularity. But the, um, the, what strikes me about golf as well is that uh, surely with greater participation, the fact it's cool and more hip, to use your words, we're going to have more players succeeding on the world stage. Is it as linear as that or is it more complex, do you think? Um, it definitely helps. There's no question about it, but you need the right people too. And I think we've got the right person right now in Min Woo Lee. Um, he's a rock star. Uh, and I think he can really elevate the status of the sport. Cam Smith is a rock star as well, but they're very different personalities. Like Min Woo Lee is very much the showman. Uh, Cam Smith is, uh, your everyday bloke who you could, you know, you can sit down and have a beer with. And both of them are very relatable. Uh, I grew up playing junior golf with Adam Scott and I mean, Adam Scott's, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, but he's probably a bit more on the reserved side. Um, and I, I think having a couple of people who I just mentioned in, in Min Woo Lee and, and Cam Smith, certainly from the men's side of things, who the younger, who pretty much the everyday person and younger people can relate to, I think that's going to, um, that's going to help people not just watch the game, but want to get involved in the game as well. Into the women's side of things. And well, it's probably, uh, in, uh, my question, I'll save that uh, in going to the specifics of the Women's Open, but what about the concept of having them together? Mm. Uh, is that the future as well, um, that the spectators can go and watch different groups? It's all happening at the one place at the one time. It's a great question, and it's a very complex answer to it because when you're out there, and it was the same last year in Melbourne, it's a brilliant atmosphere. If, if you attended the event last year or this year, you would think is the greatest golf tournament, one of the greatest sporting events you've ever attended. The atmosphere is incredible. Mm. Now, watching it on television, yes, I've seen and heard various reports about what um, what was missed in the coverage, etc. And I very much understand where they're coming from. From a production side of thing, it's a very, very difficult thing to um, try and cover absolutely everything and, and, and tell all of the stories while they're happening. You, you just given the limited amount of um, cameras that you have out there, you're bound to miss something. And we saw it yesterday with Adam Scott coming down the stretch. He hit a tee shot out of bounds. Um, we didn't see the tee shot. It, it's, it's, I personally, I love the idea of the men and the women playing together, but not in the national open. If you want my opinion, I think yep. they each deserve their own separately. Um, and I think if you ask, the men and the women, the players, that I think they'd probably say the same thing. I think you, the majority would vote that way. Um, I'm all for other tour events, having the men and the women together. I think they've been a resounding success here in Australia, but um, I'd certainly like to see, uh, and it all comes down to money. I'd, I'd love to see the government or a big corporation cough up the money and, um, you know, so that each could have their respective opens. And uh, I, I think it would generate just as much hype doing that and just as much, um, you know, just as many eyeballs globally too. Certainly, I I agree with you there. I mean, I I enjoy watching it and I watched a lot of it over the last three or four days. But when I'm sitting down watching it and sometimes in golf, you can flick in and out, you know, you've got to get up to do something, you sit back down and you struggle to place what's going on because, oh, geez, I haven't seen her hit or you don't know what the leaderboard is. It can just be a little bit hard to, to keep track on it unless you're actually sitting there watching religiously. And I just wonder how many other viewers felt the same. I understand why Golf Australia is doing it, but surely it's something that James Sutherland can, uh, can think about along with his team at Golf Australia. Oh, we haven't mentioned the winner. Uh, Joaquin Neiman held a two-stroke advantage in regular play. He bogeyed the 17th. He birdied the 18th. He then had 
Um, and out of weight when he had a one-shot clubhouse lead, ended up winning on the second playoff hole. The first playoff hole was excruciating. That last hour and a half was just fantastic to watch. But how difficult would it have been for him to wait 45 or 60 minutes to, um, I, I guess, determine whether he's going to hit another ball for the day or not? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Um, oh gosh, I mean, just the, it's more than anything the anxiety, the stress around it. Yeah. Um, you can't control the situation. You can when you're out there, but... Um, Look, I think he would have been pleased with the round that he shot and the way that he finished in birding the final hole. Um, you really, you've got no choice, do you? You've just got to sit back and hope for the best. And I think in that position, when you're up against some of the best golfers in the world, he would have expected um, someone, and it turned out to be Rikuya Hoshino, he would have expected someone to catch him. Um, so he would have been prepared um, as best as he could for a playoff. And... Yeah, it's not easy when it's an hour, hour and a half. Um, bit of a different story if it's only 15, 20 minutes. I would have actually given the upper hand to Hoshino in the playoff, given the fact that he just finished and then went straight back out there. He was still in the rhythm. Um, but Neiman, he went birdie eagle in the playoff. He almost eagled that first playoff hole the first time. So uh, there was uh, you know, no signs of having waited around for too long or rust there. It was uh, very impressive. It, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, Hashino was had a terrific, uh, I guess, stint in Australia, not only with the, mm-hmm. the PGA, but with the Open as well. He'd go away very, very satisfied. Absolutely. Second in both tournaments. Yep. Uh, it's an excellent couple of weeks, his first time down in Australia. I actually played the Sponsors Pro-Am with him on Wednesday in <laughs> Sydney, so I... <laughs> Yeah, there's not too much scar tissue from playing alongside myself and Warren Smith, thankfully. <laughs> but, uh, How'd you go? We, uh, we actually had a good day. We played well, and his English was better than I thought, and he was a lovely fella. His caddy was awesome. Um, we had a wonderful time, and um, it was great to see him play well and uh, very approachable, like easy to see why he's had so much success uh, in Japan, and now we're starting to see it around the world. But uh, I think... I, I think everyone probably expected Minwoo Lee to win yesterday. It was a bit disappointing to see him struggle a bit, but um, there's no doubt there's an Australian Open in his future. And Minjoo Lee fought back, um, ended up finishing eight under the card, so she just finished one shot back. But um, the women's tournament was fantastic, but it did strike me that no Australian has won it since Carrie, Carrie Webb, I think, in 2014. So what does this say about um, the collection or the group of Australian golfers we have on the female side? Well... Our top players are fantastic. Um, Hannah Green, Minji Lee, they've won major championships um, in recent times. Grace Kim won on the old PGA Tour this year. It's, it's a problem that's, this is what I'm about to say is an issue that stems from the top of professional golf in the, on the women's side of things right down to junior golf. The top players are fantastic, but there's not enough depth there. It drops off pretty quickly. And I think that's something that all the programs, all the golf bodies here in Australia have already recognised and they're doing their best to, to try and rectify that. Certainly in the men's side of things, it's, it's much, much deeper. Um, and it's a bit of a generational thing too. I mean, we've had times in the past where there's been a lot more females and males playing on tours around the world. But um, yeah, I'd like to see a, a few more women there that, uh, you know, that are playing on a global stage. But as far as the Australian Open is concerned, I mean, Outside of the major championships, I think every young Australian grows up wanting to win their national open. So it could be something as simple as just too much self-inflicted pressure. Pressure. I mean, Minji Lee's won two major championships, but winning her national open is probably something she covets more than anything. And, uh, you know, to, to have not held the trophy aloft is probably something that eats away at her a little bit. She had a great chance yesterday, but, um, you know, Ashby High was, was too strong in the end. But again, it's I'm sure that, it's, it's not. We're not going to be waiting too much longer for an Australian winner. 
You and part of building the depth is looking at the youth and creating opportunities for them. And you're clearly doing that with the tournament that you're supporting. And uh, tell us a bit more about that and the insight, you know, through those, I guess, academy programs and also the um, the, the tour. Yeah, well, the uh, you know, I, I run the it's called the Adidas Junior Sixes. Um, we're now uh, it's we're now under twenty fives as well. We have a nineteen to twenty five uh, category, but it's. I, we just had our world final a couple of weeks ago and essentially it's 15 tournaments throughout the year and they're all world amateur golf ranking events uh, we had participants from nine different countries playing our final a couple of weeks ago and there were uh, there were 19 professional tournament exemptions on offer um, at the final uh, for the, the male and female competitors uh, Adidas is our title sponsor gave away uh, multiple 12 month scholarships to players as well and uh, Titleist support the series. It's just, there's, there's wonderful opportunities there. And I guess for me, it's more just, I really just try and create playing opportunities and, and pathways that don't already exist for young golfers. And um, it's something that I love what I do with the, the commentary stuff around the world. It's, it's very satisfying, but it's nowhere near as rewarding as being able to create opportunities for the next generation. And um, looking to branch further into Asia next year and beyond. And um, obviously there's a great market for young talent up there and, and sponsorship, et cetera. But um, yeah, absolutely love being involved with, with the younger players. Yeah, you do a fantastic job. And um, I think everyone can see that as, as well because it's such an important role that you play in Australian golf. Last quick one for me. Um, I read a really interesting thread on Twitter today from Padre Harrington, the uh, the famous golfer about the, these rollback changes. Um, can you just summarise it, I guess, for the casual golf fan, uh, exactly what is potentially happening around the world um, regarding this? So the two major golf bodies uh, around the world, the Royal and Ancient uh, of St Andrews in Scotland and then the USGA, the United States Golf Association, have decided that uh, as of, I believe it's 2024, maybe 2025, in the professional game they're going to limit how far the uh, the equipment goes. Um, but that's not going to really affect the amateur side of things. It's really only going to um, take place at an elite level, both professional game and an elite amateur level game. And uh, I, I agree with it. Um, a lot of people are getting their knickers in a knot about it. Um, golf courses around the world, you've only got so much land, so much space to uh, to build golf courses, and you know certainly the the historic traditional old golf courses. A lot of them are, aren't that long, and you know they're surrounded by roads and housing, and you can't go expanding the golf course by another 800 meters or a kilometer because there's just not enough room for it. And, and your Royal Melbournes are uh, in danger of the world. They're in danger of becoming obsolete because of technology. Certainly for the for the better golfer and. Um, the average golfer doesn't have to worry about it because these rules aren't going to affect your, your normal members' club competition at all. It's only going to be at an elite level. And uh, Rory McIlroy came out today and um, and, and said he's uh, fully in agreement with it all. And uh, there's been arguments for and against it, but I'm all for it as well. Really appreciate your time, Ewan. Uh, you've done a great job over the last few days and we look forward to seeing your work onwards and upwards into 2024. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All the best.